You're listening to the Straight Shooting Radio Show on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the hosts of the show, Jason Selms and Mario Vladko. Welcome to the sh- our first episode, actually, of the Straight Shooting Podcast. Uh, pleasure to have, again, everyone joining us on the show. Uh, you might ask, what is the Straight Shooting Podcast? Well, the Straight Shooting Podcast is going to be about uh, firearms laws. It's going to be about media, politics, firearms categories. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about freedom, apathetic shooters, and basically the premise of the show is the name of the show, which is Straight Shooting. Uh, I've got Muzz on the show, uh, who's my co-host. I'm going to bring him on in just one second. But I'll tell you how I met Mario. Uh, before we actually went to the rally to save public land hunting in New South Wales, uh, after the, the rally, we went down to one of the uh, bars and we had lunch. And uh, I knew I'd recognize Mario from somewhere. And I, I wasn't sure that it was YouTube. And we started talking. Uh, he figured I had a YouTube channel. And then we started watching each other. We started to have, pretty much have the same ideas. We eventually started going over each other's houses, having a chat. And we realized we had a lot of the same uh, interests, thoughts, and opinions on a lot of stuff to do with freedom. Uh, and I think it was really important that I really wanted to do this show with someone that one has similar views to me, but also that is a little bit different, so that can give me ideas uh, and thoughts about certain issues that you know, maybe I didn't think about. So uh, it's going to be a great show. Obviously, it's going to take about probably you know four or five episodes before we get into a bit of a, uh, just to see how it's going to go, a bit of a niche, you might say. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really good podcast. You know, some people might not like it. I think a lot of people will like it, but it is going to call out a lot of apathetic shooters. And hopefully, you know, just by here, by giving us, you know, by us giving you our opinions, hopefully it's enough to get you out there, visit your local members, write you to your members, write to them, see them, make appointments to see them. I think it's really super important. So, Mario, hello, sir. How are you going? And thanks for joining me and being my co-host on the show. G'day, Jason. It's a pleasure to be your co-host, and thank you very much for asking me. And uh, hello to all you listeners out there. I certainly hope you guys enjoyed the show. And you might actually realize, Mario, too, I actually uh, had him on my show for The Everyday Hunter. I'm not sure which number it was, but I did have him on the show. Uh, Again, another popular podcast we did put out, our episode of The Everyday Hunter, and a lot of people do like it. So, But Mario brought up a very interesting topic. Topic, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he, a lot of people know I'm not a huge fan of the Liberal government, never have been, probably most likely never will be. But Mario likes uh, you know, some of the things that are coming out of the Liberal Party. Uh, he did put me onto the Prime Minister's uh, address on his YouTube channel uh, to have a look at. That's where Tony Abbott actually spoke a lot about you know cutting red tape, uh, you know profits for businesses, getting new businesses up and running, and prosperity for the country by reducing taxes. So, in case you missed Tony Abbott's address to the nation, here is the audio clip of what Tony Abbott had to say. If ever we should enter a new year full of optimism, it is 2014. We are a strong, resilient and smart people. That's the strength of our country. Not so much government, but in the willingness of you, the people, to better your life. This is the year, I hope, more of us than ever will have a go. We'll start new businesses, we'll build new houses, we'll undertake further study, make investments and plan a future because that's how we build the stronger and more prosperous country that we all want. The government will do its part. We're scrapping bad taxes, we're cutting red and green tape, we're ending waste, we're building infrastructure and strengthening the budget. 
My plan is to give you more choice, more freedom and fewer government demands so that you can build a better future for yourself and for our country. A strong country always has a deep appreciation of its history and this year we commence the commemoration of the centenary of Anzac and I hope that you will take part. Maria, honestly, what do you think, what do you like that you're seeing coming out of, say, the Liberal Party? What, what, are, you, what are you liking? Well, Jason, I, I really do like the message that this Prime Minister is putting out there, mate. Uh, I, I, I think it's a positive step for shooters. I think shooters can get a lot, of that, lot out of this. Uh, I do believe that this Prime Minister is fair income about getting the country moving. I do believe that he's fair income about deregulation. And uh, also, Jason, uh, if you uh, if you remember, it's the first time, I think, that I've heard a Prime Minister use the words freedom in his speech. And yeah. I think that's a very important step forward because it's a word that's, I guess, not used very often in the political context because, let's face it, when it comes to firearms and, uh, you know, firearm laws, I think freedom is the pretty much the last word you'll ever see. Um, you yeah, know, but what, what's different about this guy and, say, John Howard? What, what do you think's different? Well, I think what's different about this is that this is a completely different um, parliament. This, it's made up of, uh, you know, uh, different representatives. Uh, Tony Abbott is his own person, I think, and I'm not giving, not trying to give him a good rap, Jason. I'm, uh, you know, I certainly hope I'm not proven wrong. But so far, some of the things that he's been doing, I really do like. He's stopping the boats. He's stopping all this illegal immigration. He wants to get rid of uh, the taxes, which is great. Less tax is always good, um, and uh, he's really focused on deregulation and uh, improve. And, and actually, he's uh, one of the policies they have is they're going to have a task force where they plan to uh, get rid of at least a billion dollars of red and green tape every single year, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, Any- but how much of this is honestly going to be... Uh, you know, firearms, red tape. Really, you know, is he living in the shadow of John Howard? You know, how, how do we know? He could be just as draconian as John Howard. How do we know? Well, that's correct. I mean, we don't know. But uh, what we can assume is that uh, this uh, Prime Minister, he wants the country to move forward. He wants business to move forward. And I guess if he wants business to move forward, I think, you know, uh, business also means the, you know, firearms business, the outdoor recreational market. And I think all the shooters out there need to be a part of it. They need to start writing letters to the Prime Minister, to the Liberal Party, the Federal Liberal Party, who has the power. And come uh, mid, mid this year, Jason, we will have a different upper house and they will certainly have opportunity to change the laws. And we certainly have... Uh, a pro-gun voices in the parliament, Jason. We've got Bob Catter in the lower house. We've got f- uh, uh, quite a few nationals amongst the uh, liberal uh, the liberal party there that make up the lower house, and we certainly got David Lionholm in the upper house as well. Uh, so we certainly got a lot of pro-gun voices there. But I think those pro-gun voices need to be backed up by the people out there who were willing to write letters to the prime minister. A simple letter, very very simple letter, only half an A4 page telling the Prime Minister that they want change. They want some of our freedoms back, or at, or at least, you know, if you think that the uh, National Firearms Agreement needs to be abolished, which I certainly do, just tell the Prime Minister that's what you want. You want the National Firearms Agreement abolished. It's very simple. Don't get into any, too many statistics. Don't get into any, uh, you know, kind of long, uh, drawn-out uh, essays that you want to write. A simple letter, and that's all we want to see from shooters out there. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think, uh, tell you my opinion, but I don't think a lot of that cutting of red tape is going to be firearms laws. I mean, we've only got to look back 
1996, the buyback, we got the 2002 pistols. Uh, we've seen here in uh, New South Wales with the ammunitions bill and the cutting of public land hunting. Uh, we've also seen, if you watch the videos on my YouTube channel, we've also seen WA and again, Liberal State Party in WA, again, hugely increasing uh, firearms fees and associated fees. I mean, we're talking yearly license of a few hundred dollars yearly. We get a five-year license for $200 every year. I just don't believe we can trust these people. I just, I don't think so at all. I and mean, we'd be silly to think we could. Oh, look, Jason, you can never trust government. And that's first, that's the very first rule. Uh, you can never, ever trust government, but you can't also give up hope and you can't also uh, rule out the possibility that we can make a difference. We can make a change. And I believe that uh, after 18 years of draconian firearm laws, uh, I believe we're due for a change. And I think the people do want it. I think the vast majority of law-abiding firearm shooters out there do want it. The government can overturn a 40-year ban on uranium mining. I mean, anything's possible. The people just have to believe it and they have to want it. All right, so what can, I guess, you know, people do, let's say shooters, what can they do in response to, say, the Prime Minister's message? Do we need to, you know, write to our local members? Do we need to write to the Prime Minister? How, you know, what do we need to do, do you think? Well, Jason, it's very simple. Um, you don't have to do much at all. All you've got to do is devote one hour of your year, exactly, just one hour of your year, and uh, write two letters, one to the Prime Minister and one to uh, the Liberal Party, the Federal Liberal Party in Canberra, and uh, just tell them what you want. You want the National Firearms Agreement abolished. You want freedom restored to this country. You want uh, to get the uh, outdoor recreational market moving. Uh, use examples such as New Zealand and Canada. Uh, why, are, why are they free? Why are they enjoying their firearms and we're not? They're enjoying their airsoft sports. They're enjoying their fireworks and we're not. I just find it completely absurd that in a country like Australia where we should have unlimited freedom, uh, I mean, really, we've got more square kilometres per capita than most countries in the world. We should have the most freedom, but yet we have the most restrictive draconian laws. And I think firearm owners out there need to just take one hour, one hour of their year to just write that letter and send it to Parliament. There's 800,000 of us out there, Jason. You know, Can you imagine, honestly, like just say, yeah, let's say 100,000 shooters, right? Let's say... Uh, nationwide, wrote to, say, Prime Minister, and he had 100,000 letters, and we all wrote them at the one time. Can you imagine the workload? Can you imagine the overloaded <laughs> P.O. box, right? Uh, the secretary having to go down and get, you know, that mailbag and open it, and you're asking for a response, and then absolutely have to dock every one of those on the system, put a reply. I mean, it would take, absolutely. take months. It would take months. Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, when you combine that, and when you combine such a massive letter-writing campaign to the government with the fact that you've got a lot of pro-gun voices uh, in federal parliament, well, then you've got a good recipe for, for, for something to happen, for, for change to happen. And that's what we want. We don't want people out there to give up hope. We don't want people out there to keep saying, oh, well, we don't need semi-autos. I mean, how many times have you heard that? I hey, mean, hey, hang on. I've heard it a fair bit on the Facebook page. People, people actually, we'll get onto that topic a bit later, but people actually don't agree uh, even shooters, and you've heard this, you know, don't agree with semi-automatics. Um, they think they're assault weapons. They kill. We shouldn't have them here. I mean, we're seeing it on the Australian Hunting Podcast, my Facebook page. So I guess, you know, how do you, you know, fight, I wouldn't say the enemy being, you know, the Liberal Party or the government of the day, but then we're also fighting against shooters. You know, shooters aren't working together. They just, you know, like I can't believe there's shooters that they don't want their rights back. They're starting to believe now that this, 
these laws now. And even these young guys that are growing up, they're shooters, they're 18 years old, they don't even know about Port Arthur. They've got absolutely no idea about Port Arthur, what happened. I asked a guy, a shooter, about oh, probably would have been a month and a half ago at the range, Silverdale. He, had, he didn't even know what uh, Port Arthur was. He didn't even know Martin Bryan. I said, you've got to be kidding. And he goes, man, I'm 80, I just turned 18. I just got my license. I'm a brand new shooter. So, I mean, you know, and probably gets into the next one, right? How do we get shooters to stop becoming apathetic? I mean, we've seen it, you know, you, you know, you yourself, you went to the, you know, the double S double A meeting, yep. you know, 50,000 members, 200 people roughly showed up to the AGM. How do we get more people to the meetings? How do we get more people to make a difference? I mean, I had to go visit John Robinson, my local member. How do, you know, I don't like it as much as the next guy. I'm a bit nervous when I get yes. in there and I'm talking to a politician and people always hack on me saying I'm a labor supporter. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm a labor lover and everything like that, but I can't look past Past what the Liberal Party's done to us. But in saying that, people say, what's Labor done? Labor would have supported the agreement of 1996. But I'll tell you one thing, right? In the last uh, 15 years, right, the most interesting part about this is John Robertson and the, and the Labor Party voted, right, against yep. the abolition of the Game Council, right? Yep. They've never, in 16 years that I've seen, they might have agreed with it in 1996, but I really do not believe the laws would be exactly this. Do you believe the laws would be the exact same under Liberal or Labor? If Do you think it would have mattered who it was? Uh, no, I, I don't believe they would have been the same. I don't think Paul Keating, had he won the election, would have uh, done the same thing that John Howard did. I think John Howard had the personal mission there, personally, I mean... Or a personal bias against firearms. Well, possibly that, whatever it may be, but... Uh, and now he, he's crowing he, across the US about how good his gun laws well, are. He's he, the only one that <laughs> thinks they're any good. <laughs> well, look, uh, look, he's, he's, uh, he had a mission, he succeeded it, he had the numbers in Parliament, he was also pulling the purse strings... Uh, for the states, uh, you know, uh, what yeah, can you, we say? You're not going to get any money if you don't uh, toe the line. Well, exactly, Jason. I mean, money is, uh, I guess, the most powerful force in, in the universe, I guess. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, it's being used to take away our freedoms. Yeah, no, exactly. Mate, this is actually a pretty good one. We were talking about this. I wish we'd actually recorded uh, some of our messages or phone calls we've had over the last probably, what, six months, I reckon. We'd probably have about 15 or 20 podcasts. But there's a lot of clubs, organizations out there, large organizations, small, doesn't really matter. We've all got our stories, uh, but they're apolitical. And they're not pushing for reform when they see firearms ownership as a privilege and not a freedom. How do we change, you know, the, you know, these organizations to start agreeing that freedom i mean a lot of these a lot of these organizations the magazines we're seeing um again we don't want to bag them out but the double s double a we let's have a chat about that one because i think it's very interesting i'm you know, a big supporter of the double s double a like what they do and i actually give them a shout out while they're here when i was in queensland with my family i went to the double s double a ripley's range up at, i think it's in ipswich my yeah, brother my, fantastic range yeah oh mate, unbelievable when i went to the to the front desk honestly the guy couldn't have been more helpful like $12 non-member fee I think it was $7 for a member you know they've got a 300 meter range with I think an 800 meter range you know a bit of paperwork the guy was like mate thumbs up how you going yep just fill out the paperwork mate so I couldn't possibly give you know the double SAA Ripley's up there more of a wrap I mean it's really a stark contrast from what we're seeing down here in New South Wales with you know how range officers are treating new shooters I mean people are leaving the sport because they've been treated like dirt so how do we get the organizations on board you know, to yep. you know, become not become apolitical to start pushing freedom, and you've seen it in the the sporting shooter. Well, it was not sporting shooter, the um, uh, Austra Austra yeah, Australian yeah, shooter. the Australian shooter magazine, yeah. and you know, we had the suspension on state land hunting, which is the biggest thing probably to happen in what 
probably except the ammo in the last five years. Yeah, in the last page eighty three. I mean, what on earth? I know. I know it's. Uh, I, I just uh, shake my head when I see things like that, Jason. I mean, this is really important news, and uh, the major publications out there uh, seem to think that it's not even worthy of a front page or a second page uh, or a third page. Ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's, it is ridiculous. I mean, I, I think we need to start getting on the standpoint. We need to start. At the beginning, Jason, the beginning is your your right to hunt is a basic human right. To hunt for your food is a basic human right. The government should, at every opportunity, make lands available for you to hunt, full stop. And this is the message that has not been uh, properly communicated, I think, through the publications. And the government should also, at every opportunity, provide you with the most latest technology and means to hunt with. Uh, um, this is just a no-brainer, Jason. This is something that's existed before governments ever existed. We've always been hunting for our food since we could walk on two legs, and uh, it's a basic human right. And to, to for anyone to suggest, even the publications out there, even the you know um, the police or the government or any authority to suggest that it's a privilege, I just find that laughable, Jason. Yeah, no, but we've seen, was it, is it Dean Miguel? Who's he? He's the head of the SSAA national branch, isn't he? But he wrote the, he's the letter, yes. letter editor, whatever he does. He wrote up a, a great article and he's, I think he's saying the right things. I mean, he's even talked about freedom. We need to be like to push hard like the NRA. And I agree with that. I think that's fantastic. Yep. But then you turn over five or six pages and then all we're basically seeing is, you know, like I said, as I said, the state land hunting was on page 84, which yep. was half a page. I mean, the SSAA insurance on page 83 was much more important than now 20,000 are licensed hunters. So what at the start, he's saying a lot of things, which I think is fantastic. And I'm 100% in agreement with that. I love what he's saying yes. there. But, you know, when you roll over the magazine, you roll over four or five pages, the, you know, the Beretta 692 shotgun review was more important than, you know, uh, 20,000 people with nowhere to hunt. And while that, might, that may be an excellent shotgun, my, my thing would have been Barry O'Farrell on the front page of the magazine. Yes. This man's taking away your rights. Oh, absolutely, Jason. Oh, I mean, ridiculous, it, man. It, it, it is. Uh, and, you know, our publications, I, feel, I think, are letting us down in a way. Uh, I think they're really not... Uh, showing people that we do have rights, we do have freedoms, just because we don't have the Second Amendment or a constitution that, like the United States and the Bill of Rights that they have, just because our, those rights aren't, I guess, bolted down to a piece of paper doesn't mean that we don't have them. We do have them. They're basic human rights. And uh, this is the, like I said again, this, uh, this is the message that needs to be communicated for our publications. Interesting tonight. point while you bring it up though about human rights. We've seen, was it Tim Wilson? He's going to be the human rights commissioner. Was at the uh, LDP uh, conference, I think last weekend as yes. well, yeah. uh, at the time of recording this podcast. And I mean, that's positive. I mean, for the human rights uh, or future human rights commissioner to be at the LDP, which is also pro-gun, Yes, uh, I think it's fantastic. I mean, as I said, you know, a lot of people got up me the other day on Facebook saying, you know, don't segregate the vote, SFP, LDP. As I said, I don't have time for egos or the, you know, the bullshit that goes with that. I don't, I don't really care about that, what the you know, previous history was. I'm a supporter of gun ownership and the LDP, do you want us to have some great policies? Yes, I do vote SFP and I've done a lot for the SFP, recording videos, uh, I've done a lot of po podcasts with Robert Borzak, and I think I've got a pretty good relationship with those guys. But again, it doesn't mean we can't you know, yep. support David yep. uh, in the Senate. So hopefully, I mean, is he going to make a difference? Only time will tell. And people think that you know, like concealed carry is a pipe dream or semi-autos, but you know, we need to see political parties yep. saying that kind of stuff and to have sort of the human rights commissioners you know, at the 
uh, yep. Liberal Democratic Party uh, conference, I think, is a, a big win, or not I say big win, but it's very positive, at least, anyway. Yeah, it is a very positive start. And look, Jason, I'm a very strong supporter of the Shooters and Fishers Party. I have been for many, many years. I will uh, always vote for them. But uh, look, the fact that David has uh, uh, got this seat uh, in the Senate is a fantastic win for shooters, and he will be uh, representing freedom, uh, freedom in general, basically, in the parliament. And I certainly hope he does a good job, and uh, I certainly hope uh, that he can make a difference, at least to change the way that people think, if anything else. And, and we've already uh, seen the government trying to take away the liberal name, the liberal democrat, you know, yes. liberal out of the democratic. But like, like how is it? Well, well, it shows you, Jason, how <laughs> how threatened they are by 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 freedom. A lot of governments don't like freedom because freedom means less control for them and more control for the people. So they're threatened by that, and uh, they're naturally going to attack it. And uh, I think we should be all very uh, grateful that you know we do have a very strong pro gunner in the federal parliament. Uh, we should definitely vote for the shooters and fishers in your respective state. Uh, I think they probably have uh, the numbers and they have the, the, the strongest uh, platform to be able to make incremental change. And that's the very important word, Jason, yeah. incremental change. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people, especially in this country, Jason, people are really scared of, uh, you know, dramatic, you know, uh, change, uh, especially when it's... Uh, the government should protect us, you know. Well, we, we, we need free unemployment, free money, you know, give us everything. We, we yes. can't live for ourselves. <laughs> I know, it's, a, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're quite capable of all looking after ourselves, especially all the, all the law-abiding firearm owners out there. And, um, and I think the incremental change is very important. And I think people shouldn't, uh, first of all, give up the idea that we'll never get our guns back i mean how many times i can honestly if i had a dollar every time i heard from someone oh mate don't worry about it you'll never get them back don't worry about it mate i'd be a rich man i wouldn't have to leave you i'd be living in the united states and i have all the guns i want <laughs> speaking of that though good interesting point yeah about we're talking about constitution we're going to talk a little bit about america for a minute people say uh what's this got to do with australia and i want to sort of explain a few things um i guess what it got to do with australia is people think that can you imagine if Obama, like, let's say he signs executive orders to get rid of these uh, quote-unquote uh, assault weapons, right? I think there's going to be anarchy. If, if it, the police try to disarm people, I think, one, there's going to be a big problem. People think, here, no, nah, we just give them up. That's fine. You know, what can you do? The Americans will fight. And it's only going to take someone, the police either killing someone or police getting killed in a, in a, in a potential confiscation of firearms where it's really going to escalate. Yeah. And Obama's going to look a lot worse. But what I wanted to mainly talk about was the Constitution because... I guess Australians don't really understand what freedom means because they've had the government, you know, pretty much used to, you know, ruling their life for, you know, for as long as they can remember. And the Constitution is there, literally, it's there right now that the Second Amendment is to stop precisely what Barack Obama is trying to do right now, which is... Uh, confiscate firearms and it was put in place hundreds of years ago for this particular thing so one man with one prejudice against firearms trying to in my opinion make a bit of a name for himself yes to try and take away people's rights and this is what it was there for john howard did it to us there's nothing we could do run of the monarchy that yeah what can we do we basically had to give them up and people that didn't give them up obviously they've you know, got their firearms hidden somewhere in a pipe somewhere underground. Who knows? You know, we obviously we don't know that. But well, yes, that, 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 that's right, Jason. I mean, there's, I mean, they a lot of people estimate there's roughly around about a million firearms in Australia that the government doesn't know about um, that are buried somewhere or hidden somewhere. I don't don't know where. But uh, but you know, uh, look in, in terms of the constitution, I think what a lot of people don't realise is you don't have to have a constitution 
to have freedoms. And it's all about how you think. It's all about what the people want. I mean, have a look in New Zealand. They've got no right to keep and bear arms. There's nothing like that in their constitution. And, and no they- one ever mentions New Zealand, eh? Like, exactly. How come the antis never, ever mention New Zealand? I was, well, you, were, you, you shared something from Gun City the other day, and I did as well. You know, AR-15s. They've got everything. You yeah, know, their, their last yeah. massacre was in... Any, that's what I hate. Anyone that says... You know, these assault weapons bans or these AR-15s are the problem. I mean, the thing is in America, roughly, I don't know the percentages, I'm going to go out in a whim here and I'll do some research for the next show, but a lot of the firearm crime is with pistols. That's correct. Very, very little percentage with the AR-15, yet because it's on a mass scale, but in the grand scheme of things and the percentages, it's very little crime. That's you correct, know? Jason. I mean, the vast majority of crimes out there, uh, gun deaths, so to speak, are caused by handguns. I mean, uh, so why aren't they trying to build them? He's, oh, sorry, why aren't they trying to build them? Why aren't they trying to ban them? Pierce Morgan, you've seen CNN. He's always trying to uh, push his anti-hunting, sorry, anti-hunting, anti-shooting propaganda. He says, "I'm not trying to take away your firearms. You know, I don't want to take away your hunting." But in a nutshell, I mean, he does want to take away the firearms, you know. But yet, he's not targeting. Uh, the uh, firearm of, of issue. And then Ben, there was a guy on the show, I'm not sure if you saw it, but Ben, this guy, Ben Chaparro, he actually yes. called him on that and he says, you yep. know, why don't you be philosophically correct if you want to ban either all guns? Why aren't you? Why do you not have a push for banning handguns? That's right. I mean, that's, what, that's where he called him out. He, he basically um, called it as it is, which is uh, just a whole lot of hot air and BS because the reality is, is that the American government want to disarm the people. They want to domesticate the American people, just like we are domesticated, and uh, they they want them to believe that really they don't have any rights, they don't have a fr- freedoms, they don't have a right to own whichever gun suit you know is suitable for them. Um, regardless of the fact that uh, the, the vast majority of gun deaths in America uh, were caused by the use of uh, handguns, and I mean really, if you wanted to be a politician that wanted to reduce firearm deaths i mean you would go after handguns you would not even worry about so-called assault rifles because the, the vast majority um you know of uh, of all these things that are going on is is basically with with handguns and that's not what that's not what's been reported yeah but the again going back to new zealand you know they're not yeah. having the same problems america is having so is it a cultural thing that's yeah that's a quite again don't forget you know i don't want to say it too much but the you know they've got the mexicans coming over the border they've got yeah. the uh you know the hispanic gangs the african gangs you also got the white gangs as well it's, it's a multitude of different things a lot of different cultures where we don't sort of really yeah. have that culture over here but again new zealand hasn't had it people say to me oh we should need to ban these weapons but again new zealand has not had a massacre since 1997 very very similar to australia they didn't knee jerk they didn't go uh really anti-gun uh, and over there like you know a lot of my friends told me a few friends that live there and they say you know if you like it's not if you're not a hunter but when you say you're a hunter it's not yep. a, not a taboo thing and that's right new zealand is very similar i would say like canada and again that canada got rid of their firearms registry as well new zealand yep. and canada and i've lived in canada for 12 months in toronto uh, in 2003, and they're very much like yep. us, very friendly people. Yep. Uh, they and again, like the uh, uh, prime minister in Toronto said, you know, the registry is still yet to solve its first crime or its first gun death. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, there's been countries a fun- are turning away from it. They're turning away. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there has been a fundamental culture change that doesn't in this country that doesn't exist in those countries, and we're slowly starting to turn it around, Jason. We're slowly starting to turn it around with education with more firearm ownership. And uh, I'd like to take this opportunity, actually, for all you 
uh, law-abiding gun owners out there, the best thing you can do for your sport is to tell others the, 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 the great things about your sport and how much you enjoy it and how much you love going hunting and how much you love being in the great outdoors with your friends mm, because yep. that is the best uh, the best promotion that you can give your sport and that will also contribute to other people wanting to know more about it, wanting to get into the sport and hopefully increasing our numbers so that we can make a significant culture change in this country, Jason. We're just going to go to a quick break. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Well, folks, it's that time of year again. HuntFest is on in 2014. What is HuntFest, you might ask? HuntFest is New South Wales' biggest southern hunting exhibition. HuntFest in 2013 and 2014 had to rally the Naruma Council to allow HuntFest to go ahead for a second year. Even beating the Greens twice at Council continue the rich hunting culture in Naruma. On show at HuntFest this year includes firearms displays, 3D archery shooting, hunting and camping equipment and much, much more. HuntFest will also be running their very popular photo and video competition again, so make sure you get your entries in early. Exhibitors on show in 2014 include the Shooters and Fishers Party, Abella's Gun Shop, the Australian Deer Association, Sporting Outback Supplies, South Coast Hunters Club and many more. If you'd like to be an exhibitor at HuntFest in 2014 and support the hard work of the organisers at HuntFest, then call Dan Field on 02 4473 7035. Dates are 7th and 8th, June long weekend. Naruma Sports and Leisure Centre right next to the roundabout. You can't miss it. Costs are $10 for adults and children under 16 free. For more information, go to huntfest.com.au. Huntfest, the place to be in 2014. Another thing I wanted to address too, this is a very, very interesting one. We're talking about, you know, firearms categories. You know, we've got, I mean, this is just in New South Wales. You've got A, B, C, D, H, and then G for collecting, X, Y, Z. You know, there's how many categories? <laughs> the whole alphabet. Oh, mate, it's just like, <laughs> who come up with this system for a start, right? But as a group, I guess, how can we tackle, you know, these onerous restrictions? And we'll also talk about, I mean, the Rossi Circuit Judge. We know... Uh, the Rossi Circuit Charge, as far as I'm aware, is available in Queensland and Tasmania. And if anyone knows, please post up on the Facebook page if it is available in your state, I'd like to know. Um, but again, Queensland has the Rossi Circuit Charge. In New South Wales, I mean, it can't even go on a pistol licence. So how can we tackle these onerous restrictions, do you think, you mean? Yeah, well, Jason, the circuit judge is one really sticking point for me. I, I mean, it's you a want, ca- well, you want one, don't you? Oh, I want one. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> want one? They're a great little gun. And um, look, uh, they, they've got it available in Queensland, and I think I'm pretty sure Victoria as well. It's a Category B firearm. Uh, it's not a self-loading firearm uh, as uh, prescribed by the law. And, uh, you know, but the New South Wales Police, I guess, uh, the police commissioner or whoever might be in charge uh, in their infinite wisdom has uh, sought to uh, ban it from New South Wales. Didn't like the look of it. Well, they probably didn't like the look of it, Jason. I've heard a lot of reasons why they... Bandit. Some guy it had says a revolving like, drum. Some guy says, "Oh, because it's got a revolving drum, it shoots like a semi-auto, and they they probably banned it because of that." And then another person says, which is probably the most plausible explanation, uh, is that because it, it can be uh, stolen and then cut down and used as a pistol. Now, I mean. <laughs> I don't know about you, Jason, but if I wanted to steal a pistol, I'd just steal a pistol, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and judging by the amount of drive-bys out there, there's no shortage of them. And the fact that the police are taking something like seven, or last count it was last year, I think it was 8,000 firearms off the streets every year. I mean, usually 
uh, these things only represent a small fraction of what's actually out there. And I think it, it's, it's, it's really indicative of the fact that the firearm laws are failing and that, that this, this country is awash with illegal firearms. Would, would you get rid of categories altogether? What would you do? Would you... Well, categories, categories serve no purpose to the end user. I mean, I don't care what category my gun is. I mean, as long as it suits my purpose. I mean, they only serve a, a purpose for the government, really. There's no real need for categories to for, for the law-abiding firearm owners. I mean, you either are fit to own and use firearms or you're not fit. I mean, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, no, I totally agree. Just... Oh, the government, again, the infinite wisdom, as you said, tries to you know tell us this is a privilege, you know, but... I mean, I don't know exactly what goes on. Well, Jason, the right to defend yourself is a basic human right. I don't need the government or the Attorney General or the uh, Queen or anyone else in authority to Tony tell Abbott. me, or, to, <laughs> or Tony Abbott, to tell me that I'm not allowed to defend my gift of life. And whether it be with a firearm or wherever it might be, um, I, sh- I should have that right. But you know what? A lot of people don't know, especially the young guys out there, don't know that, that we never really had that right until John, John Tingle came along yeah, and, and right. you yeah. know, changed, changed, the, changed the law. Changed yep. the law. Yep. And I just find that extraordinary. I mean, in this country, we used, to have a, we used to have a period in this country back in the 80s where if someone broke into your home and tried to attack you with anything, if you dare... Uh, hurt them in the process while you are defending yourself they actually had the legal right to take you to court can you believe that chase i can't believe that man absolutely extremely reprehensible what we wanted to make clear to everyone too was that you know obviously the laws in new south Wales and australia you're not allowed to defend yourself with a firearm, which is kind of, again, disappointing that we don't have that right. But, yep. again, we're not condoning anyone, you know, obviously use their firearms to defend themselves. No, absolutely. And what I was saying before uh, basically uh, comes back to your basic human right to self-defense. It certainly uh, wasn't uh, mentioning that or suggesting that uh, you guys should go out there and defend yourself with guns because that is uh, that would be breaking the law. And we can but thank John Tingle for that as well because, I mean, again, as you said, back in the 80s, I mean, people were, you know, the, the victims getting bro- their houses broken into, yep. their businesses, right. establishments, uh, they were, you know, losing, you know, going bankrupt because they had to defend themselves and they were the victims. How can, well, how can that be? Well, that's right. I mean, Jason, um, we live in a country now where we have an escalating violent crime rate we have an escalating sexual crime rate, um, and but the gun-related deaths uh, keep falling. Gun ownership keeps rising, so you certainly can't link the rate of gun ownership to gun deaths because they're really uh, you can't compare the two. Yeah, gun- but then people say, well, because of the 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 semi-autos, the pump actions, is because they're gone. The reason is a drop in crime. That's what they'll say. Or they or people will say uh, the laws are working because we haven't had a massacre since uh, 1996. Well, when it comes to... Do you ma- believe that? Do you believe well, that? Well, no, absol- absolutely not. I don't think uh, the laws have got anything to do with it. I mean, Canada and New Zealand are perfect examples. There are two countries, Commonwealth countries, similar countries like ours, similar laws. Um, they've kept their semi-automatic firearms, and they have no problems with them. In fact, not only do they keep their semi-automatic firearms, Jason, they're enjoying the wonderful sport of airsoft, which is, I mean, <laughs> even even in the UK, they're enjoying it. We can't enjoy it here. I mean, they're enjoying their fireworks. They're celebrating Krakenite. I mean, who doesn't, I mean, who over the age of 35 does not remember Krakenite? I mean, 
it's one of the most uh, best memories you'll ever had as a kid. And I can't Don't believe forget, we lost it. Somebody blew their hand off, so everybody had to suffer. Oh, Some course. kid lost a hand. Yeah, so. of course. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I, I can't see, Jason, why in this country, I mean, I can buy a free 38 Lapool Magnum and four kilos of gunpowder, but I am not to be trusted with a couple of crackers. Can you believe it? <laughs> But getting back to yeah, the Rossi circuit judge, getting back onto uh, individual choice, say, to own whatever caliber or action type you want. I mean, do you think, say, a certain action type has been responsible for the reduction, let's say, A, in gun crime, if there's been a reduction, or a reduction in, say, uh, mass shootings all because of the action type of a firearm? No, absolutely not. It's completely absurd. Every gun has the potential, if used you know, in an evil manner, I guess, every, every firearm can kill. Uh, and uh, the fact that we've got plenty of firearms out there that have got you know uh, ten round capacity. I mean, you can you can shoot with many guns out there. You can the shoot levers, the pumps. Yep. You know, the seventy six seventy six fifteen Remington seventy six. That's right. I mean, there's plenty of firearms out there, Jason, that have got a ten round capacity that you can shoot uh, ten rounds in the space of 13, 14 seconds without even having to change the magazine. And I mean, and not to mention, Jason, we've got so many semi-automatic pistols out there. You know, owned by law-abiding firearm owners. And, I mean, these are all owned in perfect safety. Uh, there's no problems with them. They're used for legitimate reasons. And, uh, you know, people say, oh, we shouldn't have semi-automatic, you know. Uh, yeah, but don't forget there's people out there, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've had this actually said to me. They don't agree. They, sh- they said there should be a ban on semi-automatic firearms, so pump shotguns, semi-automatic shotguns, AR-15 type uh, semi-automatic uh, long arms. Right, but they don't. But they actually don't agree with a ban on pistols, semi-automatic pistols. I know. I, I don't understand this uh, mentality, Jason. I mean, <laughs> I, I find it mind-boggling to, to, and embarrassing when I hear suggest, this stuff. To suggest that a ten-round capacity semi-automatic long arm is more dangerous than a ten-round capacity semi-automatic pistol, which can be concealed, which can be carried almost any location without anyone knowing. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. And not that I'm against pistols. I mean, I love pistols. I love them. And I think we should have less restrictions on pistols. I mean, the current licensing regime on, on pistols, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's uh, it's extremely draconian. And I, I certainly believe that should be relaxed so, that we, so we can get more people into the sport of shooting pistols. Getting into the next uh, interesting thing we saw about a couple of weeks ago, there was a big hoorah on Facebook, you know, the Dallas Safari Club auctioning off the, uh, I think it was the Black Rhino, yep. I think it went for 300000 something like that, yes. you know, there was 65, well, actually no, 75000 uh, signatures online, you know, all the Facebook warriors, the weekend Facebook warriors oh, jump yes, out there. Yes. Uh, get, did you know? Do you know how many actually turned up to the? Oh, I wouldn't even call it a protest, but do you know how many people turned up to that protest in Dallas? Well, t- I'm not sure, Jason, but I certainly 40. don't think you're forty. <laughs> well, certainly well short of seventy-five thousand. And I mean, I, I'm guessing they probably raised only forty dollars for the Rhino too. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these guys, honestly, they they they're all they're all you know um, worried about the health of the rhino or the health of the dolphin or something like that. But when it comes to actually putting their money where their mouth is, yeah, they, 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 they really fall short. And that that's where that's when you really see how dedicated they are, which is... But that uh, was, I think it was an unbreeding rhino too. Um, you know, and again, this money is going to go because there's a lot of poachers. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of poachers over there. So this, a lot of this money goes to stop poaching. Could you imagine tomorrow there was no hunting to shut shop and there was no regulation? I would, I actually do believe a lot of these animals, realistically, possibly may become extinct because uh, of uh, poachers for elephants, you know, yes. for ivory, uh, for the lions, for obviously their furs or whatever it may be, um, the heads, you know, whatever it may be. But yep, that's uh, right. these people are managing this conservation. They're managing uh, the meat which goes to the local tribes. Nothing gets wasted. Yep. And, and an unbreeding rhino, which apparently can, as they get older, can get fairly aggressive. Um, well, yeah, another question: Why didn't the uh, the antis come in with a counter offer of someone putting up four hundred thousand dollars to buy the tag off somebody else and still give the money? Still could have went, and they could have destroyed the tag. Yeah, Jason, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. A lot of African countries run these programs, these conservation programs, and not many people know about this. And um, they, what they do is they single out the animals that are, pro- I guess, problem animals. And a lot of these black rhinos, that once they get to a certain age, they're no longer a uh, repro- reproductive uh, uh, animal. Me- yeah, yeah. They, they don't breed anymore. And That's right. They can attack other parts of the herd. That's right, and uh, they, they do. They do attack uh, uh, younger members of the herd, yeah. and that basically hurts the population. So these are the animals that they have to put down anyway. So why not uh, uh, you know, raise some money while you're doing it? Why not give the opportunity to all the big game hunters out there to put some money but into the... the antis say, oh, you know, they should, just, should be just allowed to roam free before it dies, you know, and then just dies and rots away on the ground. I mean, it's just silly. Well, that's right. I think if the antis knew that the money that went into this program, which is generated by hunters, went into successful breeding programs and actually increased the number yeah, of black exactly. rhinos, I think they might change their tune. But you know what? It's not about increasing the number of black rhinos. It's all about stopping you from doing what you think is right and what you love doing, which is which is hunting. And uh, they want to stop you from doing that because they want to impose impose their, uh, uh, I guess... Uh, ideals, yeah. Their, their ideals, their morality onto us. But I, I'm not interested in that because, I mean, as I said, $400,000 went to this conservation you know like it's just that money's going to stop poaching it's just fantastic i think it's great i mean you know and again it was a a species or an animal or an animal that was unproductive anymore and why not you know that money's going to go to stopping poachers i just think it's great but a good part about this actually talking about conservation i think it's important to get off that rhino topic to move on to conservation um conservation versus the freedom to hunt i think this is a really really important one because i mean as i told you before on the phone no one's ever come up to me and said, hey, Jason, listen, um, I don't really like firearms. I don't really like hunting. But you know what? I basically bought a firearm. I bought a safe. I've bought all the gear just because I want to go out yep. there, be a legend, be a, a good law-abiding citizen. I want to hunt animals purely out of conservation. How do you think conservation, uh, almost almost say versus, but the freedom to be able to utilize this land, to go out and hunt, and freedom being number one before conservation. Well, look, Jason, uh, I I do believe that uh, we have a right to hunt. It's not a privilege. It is a basic human right. And uh, conservation is a fantastic byproduct from hunting. And this is just my personal opinion. I think hunting comes first, recreational hunting, the freedom to hunt, uh, the freedom to provide for your own food. Uh, this definitely, in my in my opinion, comes first and above anything else. But why is the government pushing culling? Why do they push this whole like like with the national parks program, which is you know turned into a complete you know whitewash at the moment, uh, which hopefully no one's going to be a part of. But you know what's the you know 
do you think that that freedom is number one? I mean, we know conservation works. We know hunters are getting out there uh, with the suspension of state yep. forests. Well, not now, but when it was on, you know, people were removing, you know, thousands upon thousands of animals. I mean, how can that not make a difference? You've got people like the Greens saying, well, you know, uh, that doesn't work, yet, you know, David Shoebridge and his mob have never removed one feral animal from public no, land. The right. RSPCA have never removed a single animal from yep. public land. The National Parks Association have never removed a single feral animal from public no. land. But they say, oh, we just advocate. We advocate yeah. for common sense. But still, that's, that's not getting results. Yeah, I know. But look, I don't know if they've never removed feral animals. I'm, I'm not sure if they still use all the 1080 baiting programs. The government does, but I'm talking about these advocacy, RSPCA, yeah. the National Parks Association. These are non-government uh, organizations. Well, if you look on the WIRES website, and this is the organization that helps all the injured animals, and if you look at in, on their website what is the biggest cause of all our native animal injuries, the answer you'll find is feral cats. Yeah. And they are an absolute menace, Jason. These things are a menace to our marsupials, our, 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 all, the, all the small native animals that we have out there. And the only real defense we've got with feral cats, the best defense, is recreational shooters. I mean, when you shoot a feral cat in the forest, believe me, you probably just saved uh, you know, at least 20 or 30 small marsupials, you know, yeah. uh, because uh, th- these things are absolutely uh, a killer. They're a killer. When they get into the wild, they, 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 you know, wild instincts uh, hit in and they pr- pretty much become uh, a real hunter out there. And um, look, uh, th- but the Wires website never mentions the, the solution to these feral yeah. pro- feral cats. They never but all mention- they've got to do is allow hunters in there. And by allowing hunting, first off, as, as the main product here, you know, they're getting the byproduct of conservation and you know, removing feral animals, removing the cats, the foxes, the pigs. Uh, yep. You know, it's just, how is this not a win-win for everybody? It's just it's oh, crazy. It is, it's, 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 it is crazy. crazy. I mean, recently, I think the government of Victoria, Jason, spent like something like $40,000 to hire uh, professional shooters. Victoria. From <laughs> God bless Victoria. To, to hire bless professional me. shooters from New Zealand. Oh, you, what you was know? it, $4,000 a goat at the no, something like that, but I think they got rid of something like twenty-three goats or whatever. <laughs> I some, can't remember the exact number. Some ridiculously but, small yeah. number for a co- and it cost the taxpayer forty thousand dollars. I mean, I'm sure that was money was more money more well spent. I'm sure the mm. Greens love spending that sort of money. I, I think mean, it turned out to be about four thousand. I don't know. I can't. Remember, you know, we're just yeah. remembering. It was I'm, the, I, remember I, that, I think it was the, the most expensive goats in history. <laughs> four thousand per goat or something like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, why not? Why not get rec- and, and yeah, Victoria again has awesome. Hunting, they still got their duck hunting, three sixty five day a year national park hunting. They can yep. go for samba. I mean, Victoria's really. I mean, you know, I actually wrote to the um, uh, Dennis Napthan, the uh, Premier of Victoria, the other day, and said, "Well, I, I've come down there to duck hunt yep. uh, several years in a row." And no doubt these guys probably get a lot of negative letters in regards. So I actually thanked him. I said, man, I love coming down there for the duck season. Uh, I love coming down there to hunt in that state. We bring uh, money. We spend money yes. there in those rural areas. I mean, how is this not a benefit? You know, and that's what these, uh, uh, this, you know, even the DPI or the government needs to understand is that, again, by allowing people to hunt, it's just, I just, it's not, it's, it, to me, it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, and people enjoy yeah. themselves. People are out there utilizing the outdoors like they should be. Mate, just makes common sense to me. Yeah, and you know, I, I just want to uh, clarify something for those of you that out there that may not be aware. I mean, when you talk about national parks hunting, people all of a sudden think, oh no, I'm going to be down at 
Bandina or somewhere like that, and I'm going to hear gunshots everywhere. I mean, it's not the, it's not anything like that. It's com- that's completely ridiculous. The yeah. national parks that are closest to all the populated areas will be always off limits to hunting. I mean, you've got a lot of national parks out there in the bush that almost never get visited, uh, that are full of feral pests, that I just simply can't see any reason, any yeah, but the really? government says they get millions there a year, millions of uh, quote-unquote oh, visitors. Well, I've been out to state forests. I've never seen anybody. I've never seen, in, almost in, seriously, in, since the Game Council uh, or going out to state forests, even if, you know, years ago riding motorbikes, yep. I either, either saw other motorbike riders. I never saw anyone out there with a camera like, you know, we see it with the Coalition Against Duck Shooting in Victoria saying, oh, the wetlands should be a, a tourist haven. Mate, none of my friends go to national nah, parks. They nah. might go on the odd walk, which is you know, once every 10 years. Yep. You know, there's just not those people out there taking photos. I'm not, I'm not going to say there's not, but again, in the times that I've been out there, the only people I've seen is bike riders, hunters, yep. uh, not even really a bushwalker. So I've seen one bushwalker in a state forest. The rest have either been hunters or they've been um, uh, guys, you know, riding bikes that are allowed to ride bikes in, you know, specific state forest ride registered bikes. So I really can't understand. I really can't understand that. But, you know. Well, Jason, look, I've been hunting state forests for years and the most people i've ever seen in a state forest and these are state forests that are the closest mind you to sydney yeah i rarely venture out you know further than four or five hours drive i just couldn't be bothered especially when there's great forests that are close and um these are state forests that are close to sydney and really the most people that i've ever seen in a state forest is a, is a group of six bike riders i mean that's it i mean i've rarely seen the bird watcher the bushwalker or the all these thousands of tourists that the government claims that you know they they have gone to gone to all the parks and the forests i mean i'm sure they're in national parks but the national parks that they're in are the ones that are really really close to uh, metro areas and um, yeah. i certainly don't see them going to the national parks that are five six hours drive away from sydney absolutely not and these these are some of the parks that uh, we want to hunt in and um, we should be allowed to hunt in it's it, it's it does it happens in victoria and i can't see why it needs to be a, a huge problem in new south wales yeah no good point and speaking about that too we got you know the like well yeah certain agencies organizations the government are uh, calling the culling program here in national parks now we know uh that barry o'farrell you know pretty much you know backstabbed uh, the sfp guys on an agreement uh to allow uh, national park hunting pretty much under the same guise as the game council of new south wales uh we know there was issues with the dunn report we know possibly that dunn you know, maybe up for the ICAC investigation for issues in the Obede scandal. Um, but And we know the, also the SSAA has jumped on board, which a lot of people know I'm not really happy with, only because I think it's a, a double-edged sword. On one hand, you know, hey, in three years' time, if we get uh, national park hunting yep. you know, under the DPI, mate, I'd say you know, they did a fantastic job. That's great, you know, yep. great news. But on the other hand, let's say it is positive, then it really gives uh, weight uh, to possibly turn state forests into the same issue. Now, people will say, oh, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Why wouldn't it happen? We've already seen Barry O'Farrell with the stroke of a pen get rid of the Game Council of New South Wales. So, um, you know, well, I, Jason, I don't know what the double SAA is doing there. I just I don't know. Well, Jason, it comes down to the people. I mean, look, uh, we, we had a protest on uh, against the... And a great um, protest it was. It was. It was a fantastic protest. But I'll tell you right now, Jason, I've got to be honest about this. And, you know, this is called straight shooting. I was really disappointed with the number of people that turn up. The protest was short notice, yes, fair enough. But, uh, you know, you've got 50,000 members of the SSAA in New South Wales. How many game counts? I think it's 20,000. You've got 20,000 hunters in New South Wales 
that uh, that they have a uh, an R license, and I mean only eight hundred showed up, and I think that's quite disappointing. And this is where shooters really need to just, I mean, get off their chairs, get off your lounge, and uh, start making a difference. Turn up, support your people, support your sport. Write those letters. Yeah, there were a lot of people there didn't, you know, that weren't our license uh, holders. You know, they that's just right. they just came. My friend, he's only, he only hunts on private property, and uh, he came down to support it too. Which I mean, that's what we need. We need everyone banding together, not just well. I don't hunt on public land, so who cares? Well, well Jason, I can tell you right now, if Barry O'Farrell ever dared to cancel, you know, hunting ever again. And if you had 10,000 people show up in Parliament blocking traffic all in blaze orange, <laughs> let me tell you, he'll never do that ever again. And neither will any other Premier. And that's when, you know, that's when it comes to the power of people. We need to have a, a show of force, so to speak, uh, in numbers. And we also need to duplicate that by writing letters to the politicians who control our destiny, so to speak. But the, yeah, again, too, we all yeah, again with that culling program, having to be a member of the SSAA, which again I completely understand. They want to you know make money, they want to you know help out their members, which is fine. Uh, whether it works or not, I really don't know. I'm not a I'm not a supporter of it at all. But in saying that, too, I mean, now with how, how do you feel about that with the opening of State Forest, February third? Uh, a few days ago, actually, at the time of recording this podcast, um, who would sort of take advantage? What type of what type of people would take advantage of that now? When you can sort of, you know, ring up the game council. Sorry, not the game council. The DPI. I've got yeah. to get that out of my head. <laughs> uh, the DPI. Ring up the DPI again. I'm not sure if uh, people or organisations are actually offering assessment just yet, but that hopefully shouldn't be too far away. So people can get licences. Why would they want to go on a supervised culling program? Be a member of the SSAA, which again, if they already are, that's fine. Yeah, get yep. their R license, have the pay the seventy five dollars or whatever the fee is, and they can go out with their friends and family, enjoy themselves with not some you know some goober from the uh, National Parks and Wildlife Service who's anti hunting, telling us load here, do this, daily briefings. I mean, who's interested in that sort of crap? I'm not interested in that. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not either. And <laughs> to be honest, I'm disappointed at anyone that that is. I mean, why would you want uh, to be part of a program where you're constantly supervised, constantly monitored? Um, being told where to load your gun, how, how, what to do with your game. Um, <laughs> well, you, 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 can't, actually, you can't even, as you're speaking about that, you can't even take the game. So as far as I'm aware, let's well, say they're targeting, let's well, say, I, pigs. I, I wasn't aware of that, Jason. If you can't even take the game, I mean, what, why would you be part You've of this? You've got to leave it where it rots. And give an example. Let's say you're hunting uh, pigs that day, right? Yeah. And you've got a couple of foxes that run past. Yep. You, you've already been briefed that you're today you're targeting those pigs. You can't then start shooting foxes, which again, how is yeah, that? Well, you can't I mean, take the heads, you can't take the meat. How is mm, that conservation? Mm. How is that a positive move by the government? Well, I, I, well, it isn't. <laughs> you know, it isn't. I mean, you, you've just laid it out, and, and you know, <laughs> it, it clearly isn't. Um, the, the fact that when when you go out to the state forest, and when you say, for example, going deer hunting, the fact that foxes and rabbits might come across your path. And then you know you you get rid of them. I mean that you, you're doing your bit for conservation right there. You yeah. know what I mean? And you, you're you're keeping the numbers of these feral pests down. And to have a program where you know you might have other feral pests run past you, you but, leave you, but you got to leave them. You don't have to shoot them. I mean, I, I just can't see. The, Tell the, me that's not I the just, most stupidest thing you've heard. I just can't see the sense in that. What is the sense in that? And I mean, look, full credit to the SSAA. They're trying their best to, I think, do the best for shooters. They, they've been involved with the program, but, I mean, really, the the premise of the program, I, I certainly wouldn't want to get in, involved in it, Jason, not at all. 
What I wanted to talk about too, Muzz, is you know new shooters. Yeah, we've all been a new yep. shooter getting into the sport. Uh, a lot of new shooters getting into it for a multitude of reasons. You know, from yeah, from <laughs> from video games yep. to to hunting uh, to just you know they want to do something in the outdoors and they want to yep. you know, uh, get their own meat. What do you recommend for new shooters? You know, listen to experienced people. Um, you know, because again, I've been out there with a lot of places, a lot of ranges, and you know, often I always say to people, you know, if you got your heart set on something, it's a certain caliber. Don't let anyone else, you know, talk you out of it. Yep. Get what you want, you know. So, what can we do to introduce and get in new shooters, uh, you know, to the sport? You reckon? Well, I mean, the best thing that all all the law-abiding firearm owners out there can do is uh, keep talking about your sport, keep talking about how great hunting is, how great shooting is, and uh, talk to people about gun ownership. That's the best thing you can do, and uh, get people interested in the sport. Now, when it comes to new shooters that are coming. Into the sport, Jason. I think it's. I think they'd be well advised to uh, seek advice from other experienced hunters. I mean, uh, this is uh, this is something that takes years and years and years to, I guess, develop your skills and to yeah, learn. True. Uh, when it comes to firearms, ballistics, reloading. I mean, you name it. There's a hunting. whole lot. Hunting. I mean, you know, scopes, different uh, type of scopes, tactical scopes, hunting scopes, red dot scopes, all those yeah, things. Yeah. I mean, it, it took me uh, at least a couple of years to really find my feet uh, when I first got into uh, when I first got into firearms, and and to really know exactly what type of firearms were be best suited for the type of hunting I wanted to do. And uh, look, young sh young shooters, uh, by you know, all you firearm owners out there, do your best to help out young shooters to uh, to you know get them started, to yeah. introduce them to uh, places where they can when they can hunt, to introduce them to different and ranges. Also, too, like you made a video too, which I thought was fantastic the yep. other day, right? To help someone get their license. I mean, yep. you know, people ask you about it. Yeah, get out right. there, you know, give them the information. I mean, I've, I actually speak on the show. If anyone doesn't, when they hear this, if anyone doesn't have a license and wants help, I mean, send me an email at AustralianHuntingPodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, you know, tell me what state you're in. I'll sort of do a bit of help for you. I can help you sort of get your license or at least yes. give you, you know, a guide on, you know, what to do. If it's most people in New South Wales, I mean, I look at the registry website probably every two or three days to see if anything's changed, yep. genuine reasons, fact sheets, just having a look at all that stuff, what's required. So if you're unsure, you're not sure what to do you know what i mean just you know seek out the advice help yep. someone help someone I'm, I'm gonna well, help just do a search on just do a search on the internet too jason i yep. mean i'm sure you'll probably find uh, yep. one of my videos or one of your videos and um you know i've got i've got a really successful video on the internet uh, on how to get your gun license in new south wales and uh it's been really really good and i've had a lot of interesting emails from people that have, have really used my video and it's helped them to get into the sport and and i think what it comes down to, Jason, is is all of us, all of us in the shooting community need to take a personal responsibility. Then we need to tell ourselves, okay, well, this year I'm going to do my best to get as many people, young guys into the sport, to introduce them to the great aspects of our sport. Don't leave out the old people too. Well, I mean, to, you've got exactly. to get them in there. It's Come never on. too late. It's never too late to the get women, into it. get them into yes, it Yes, absolutely. I mean, the women, I mean, for example, my wife's been a perfect example. I mean, uh, a long time ago, she was really anti-guns and, you know, anti-hunting. She didn't really understand it. And, uh, you know, I... You know, over a period of time, she understood. She's what come it is. round. She's come round, and now she's got a firearm license, and she goes shooting with me. So, you know what I mean, and, <laughs> and she really does enjoy it. So, you know, I mean, it, this is what need, this is how we need to uh, approach. Can you imagine this. if just you know, what is there? Eight, let's say, I don't know exact figures, but eight hundred thousand shooters. Can you imagine if yeah. just every shooter just got that's one right. person? 
into the, shooting. That's how, right. How, what, yeah. That'd just double the figures. Just just one person. All you got to yeah. do is get one person. Well, you know, we've also got to look at the other side of it too, Jason. I mean, every year people are you know leaving the sport, or uh, you know, a lot of all a lot of all the old timers are you know retiring and they no longer can do the things they used to do, or you know, they're dying off. And a lot of people do leave the sport, but the fact that the sport is growing at such a rapid rate really shows that uh, you know people want to engage with the outdoors people want to go hunting they want to go shooting they want to go fishing they want to do these things and uh, like you said we've got 800,000 gun owners in this country if each of them just took a personal responsibility to say right this year I'm going to do the very best I can to introduce more people into the sport imagine if each of them introduced just two people every year to the sport Jason I mean we'd have two million you know gun owners in this country in no time and that is a significant number that can make some real significant political change. Yeah, mate. No, you're 100% right. Well, probably the last topic before we finish off. Yeah, you know, I know before we talked about uh, the SSSAA, but the publication, you know, some good points and bad points. Uh, there's a lot of publications out there, a lot of hunting magazines, a lot of uh, uh, different uh, hunt, uh, yeah, hunting, a lot of uh, poli- some even political magazines in the United States. And uh, a lot of you know, meet myself and uh, Muzz here are members of the NRA, and we opted to get the uh, uh, America's First Freedom magazine. Now, if you haven't seen this magazine, uh, it's not like really anything you've seen in Australia, I can tell you that. I mean, it's very, very hard-hitting. I mean, even one of the, before I actually, I was actually got, I got the American Hunter magazine before actually Muzz put me on. I didn't even know it was available. And uh, one of the articles, or so one of the magazine covers, I should say, was, <laughs> it actually had on the front there, Barack Obama shooting a shotgun. And what did it say on that? King Pinocchio. King Pinocchio. Yeah, shooting it, yeah. his gun. He's, he's. Pretends he's just like yeah, you. He's just and, like he's, me and you. And he's trying to take away your firearms. I mean, uh, what did you want to say about the magazine? I mean, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's hard hitting. And when politicians over there uh, go against uh, firearm laws or are known, yep. they're straight in the magazine, they're yep. straight on the website, uh, they're called out for anti gunners. And pretty much yep. a lot of these. Uh, so I guess we call senators. I'm not sure in their in their politics over there. Yep. Are very are very scared, you might say, or very apprehensive to say anything about uh, uh, guns, and uh, especially being portrayed as an anti-gunner because they're vehemently uh, attacked by the NRA, which I think is good because we need to keep our rights. But what do you think about the magazine? I mean, I'm a big fan of it. I know you. Well, are. I mean, the magazine's fantastic, and it really. I mean, for those of you out there, and I really can't say this enough. Uh, if you want to learn about freedoms. And if you want to see what the Americans are enjoying and, uh, and, and, and see really how, what it means to uh, fight for your rights and, and what it means to be free, uh, please uh, be a member of the NRA. I mean, the NRA are a fantastic organization. You will get regular emails almost on a weekly basis. Uh, they send people emails telling them uh, what's going on, where the gun shows are and all that stuff. And I know it yeah, might be in true. the United States, but you'd be surprised to know the NRA have hundreds of thousands of members overseas, hundreds of thousands of freedom-loving members just like myself. And uh, we get this uh, America's First Freedom magazine and it really teaches you a lot about freedom. It teaches you how other people think and their culture in another country, something that's uh, really missing in this yeah. country, especially yeah. when it comes to firearms. I mean, uh, if we're going to be constantly told that it's a privilege and you know you should be grateful you have this and you know don't That's ask for any more oh don't you dare ask anymore i mean because <laughs> you know we can't trust you with a bunch of crackers let alone our 15 <laughs> next they're going to start attacking our bar of soap you know what i mean but no it is a great magazine i mean we've been a member i've been a member for the NRA for quite some time and i was never put onto the magazine and people say you know oh, why are you just talk 
talking about America because I believe uh, fundamentally if there was a change in firearms laws in the United States, which you know Obama's been saying he's going to do executive orders for just almost a year and a half now, uh, that if you don't believe that those laws changing in America are going to have a ripple effect down under, I mean, I think you're severely either ignorant uh, because I think there's going to be super changes because all we're going to hear from the antis, the Greens here in Australia, is that, oh, yeah. well, look, the Americans now have had gun reform. Yeah. So uh, we need to, again, get serious here and clamp down even more than some yep. of the things we've already got. And I don't, I've never believed too, Mars, I don't know if you agree yeah. with this, that, uh, you know, we always say, oh, just chip away. Let's just chip away at firearms laws. The only people that are chipping away right now is basically people that the Greens and the Antis right now chipping away at our gun laws. Yes, we've got access to state forest hunting. Uh, there's been certain things. I mean, we've seen the draconian firearms fees in WA is another example. But, yep. you know, we really need to... Uh, it's hard to explain, I guess, but we really need to get our freedoms back. Yep. And this magazine is a good start. And they said, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping the Americans, they've got my full support that uh, hopefully there are going to be, and if, and if there are changes, I mean, reasonable changes. But again, it's very hard to get it through the American constitution because um, yeah, basically the people estimate that they're literally on the same level as the government and they're not That's ruled right. by the government. So, mm. Well, Jason, I mean, a lot of people out there really don't realize that in the United States, the most amount of gun crime are in the states that have the uh, the most restrictive gun laws, and uh, and you Chicago, can check Chicago, Washington. Yes, there's there's L- some of the worst LA. places. Yeah, I mean, there's some of the most dangerous California, places out LA, there, yeah. and and you know what? They've got the most restrictive gun laws, Jason. And I mean, this you know if, you know from a scientific point of view, this shouldn't make sense. You know what I mean? But the the reality is, when you have less laws, when you give people freedom, um, you have less crime. And uh, and and that that's that's the reality that uh, is being largely hidden from uh, the people in Australia because people in Australia are taught to think that well you need more laws more control more government interference um, you know all this regulation yeah. and that's how we're going to make you safe I mean yeah. yes get- public safety is paramount remember. Oh, of course, public safety. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's not much public safety out there for the women that are getting raped every day. I mean, uh, and and for all the people that are getting, uh, you know, I guess the new term cowardly hit. I mean, there's not much public safety for them. I mean, they've, they've got really... Uh, no recourse, uh, you know, and, and they've yeah. got nothing really and to some of those themselves. laws even going to work? I mean, you know, we don't want to get it because we're going to probably get into some of that stuff next yeah. uh, on the next show, which I think is really important. Uh, we're probably going to finish off there. I tell you what we've got coming up on the Australian Hunting Podcast. Obviously, this is our first episode of Straight Shooting. Uh, I've also, I'm just sending over, I'm not sure if I told you this, Muzz, but I've got um, Rick Mazza, WASFP. Yep. coming on the show and hopefully Fantastic. in a week or two. Uh, so we've got a lot coming up. We're going to have more episodes this, uh, of the show Straight Shooting Podcast. And again, I hope you'll bear with us on this show. I know we might be talking about a lot of stuff and it's just we need you know four or five episodes to just sort of settle in, find out where we're going to be at, You know, make sure we're sort of you know, doing what you guys like, hitting topics. And again, if you want topics to be spoken about of interest, please by all means throw them up uh, on the Facebook page. I think that's really important because we want to talk about the things that you're interested in um, but again, we hit a few gamut of a few topics today, uh, which I think hopefully is going to you know help and just give you an idea of what's happening in the uh, political landscape here in Australia. But also, guys, don't forget the main premise of this show is to get you guys energized, to get you guys believe that you can have your freedom, you can you can have your rights back, we can get our firearms back, and uh, this is all possible. It can be achieved. So write to your prime minister. Right to your. But do you believe? Hang on, rep- before you go on, do you believe people have been, you know, like 
brainwashed into thinking, you know, we, we can't get our rights back, we can't get our uh, semi-autos and they've just given up. I mean, you know, what do you well, think? Well, definitely. I think a lot of people have given up and that's simply not the case. I mean, the, the people who represent us need to know what we want. I mean, that they need to understand that the people in this country will not stand for being, uh, I guess, a third-rate country when it comes to freedoms. I mean, when it comes to freedoms, I mean, US, Canada, New Zealand, I mean, even the UK, they're all ahead of us. They're all ahead of us, <laughs> except Jason. For, except for handguns. The you know, except for handguns. But, I mean, they're all really ahead of us. They've got so many things available over there that we simply don't have here. And, I mean, why are we less responsible than they are, Jason? I mean, so I just yeah. find that completely preposterous that, you know, that Australians are less responsible than New Zealanders or, or Canadians. Well, the Liberals say they're conservative, but <laughs> conservative, I don't think they're really conservative by, by nature. Well, uh, well, I think they are conservative. Uh, I mean, uh, but the problem is... Not with firearms, not, then, though. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know th- 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 there's nothing liberal about the liberals, um, Jason. Well, but uh, look, but, but, but you know I what? I should have said, yeah, there's nothing liberal about yeah, the liberals. There's nothing liberal about the liberals. That's, exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. But you know what, Jason? I believe that every government has the capacity to change. I believe that every prime minister is his own person. And I believe certainly if the people want change... We will get change. And it comes down to you, all you listeners out there. So don't be afraid to write that letter to the Prime Minister. Tell them you want to abolish the National Firearms Firearms Agreement. Tell them that you want the Prime Minister to deliver what he promised, freedom. That's what he promised. He wanted more freedom for the people. He even stated in one of the newspapers in the um, uh, the Sydney Morning Herald uh, after the after yeah. uh, they won the election, there have been big letters. We will not let you down. Yeah. Okay. The <laughs> prime minister promised to govern for all for everyone, and I know he's a politician, and I know that politicians quite often lie. But hey. All we can do is take him at his word and do the best that we can to make sure that we can make some sort of positive change to the laws in this country and restore freedom to this nation, Jason. No, mate, I totally agree. Well, guys, I hope you sort of semi-enjoyed uh, our first episode here of the Straight Shooting Podcast. Um, yeah, we're going to obviously fill in over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, we're going to have some more topics. Please jump on the Facebook page. Uh, give us everything you possibly can, questions, you know, criticisms. We're here to, you know, we're trying to make it as good for uh, hunters, shooters, and fishers as we can. We're going to be tag- targeting uh, a lot more issues uh, next fortnight on the Straight Shooting Podcast. Uh, myself and Mario uh, want to thank you. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. So, as always, I'm Jason Selms. And I'm Mario Vlatko. See you next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.